Hello and welcome to this episode of Critics on a Bus, the podcast where two best friends review the latest films and talk film theory. Hello everyone and welcome to a new episode of Critics on the Bus. How are you doing, Paul? I am doing wonderfully, uh, but more importantly, how are you doing? I am still not uh, a parent. (laughs) (laughs) Despite last week's episode, I still haven't made it. He still has not arrived. He's now a week late. But plowing through. Maybe this will be. Will this be the last episode I record? Not apparent yet. Who Let's knows? Really Who hope, knows? hope that it is. <laughs> <laughs> so what 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 film are we reviewing today, Cameron? Today we are going to be looking at the Disney Plus exclusive Artemis Fowl. Artemis Fowl. Artemis yes. Fowl. So many people might have read the books when they were younger. Did Did you ever read the books? No. No. I didn't either. Um, (laughs) other people might have other people I I know that they were very popular and I remember seeing them on the shelf in like the school library stuff like that came out in the early 2000s and this is from what I understand loosely based on the books (laughs) I've I've been looking up some stuff from fans of the books and hearing different things we're going to start out with some spoiler free stuff and we're going to start by saying what we like about this film I'll give that one to you Cameron okay what I liked about this film I'm I'm always a big fan of reflective sunglasses (laughs) (laughs) I I, I, I wear reflector sunglasses exclusively. That is brilliant because it's relevant, <laughs> and you normally do you do have pairs of reflective sunglasses. <laughs> oh my god, sunglasses are reflective, just like our oh, Miss Fowls. Yeah. What about you? Um, I, as we've partially discussed this film already beforehand, but we haven't properly, and we discussed how Colin Farrell's Irish accent was very good. Mm-hmm. Because he's from Ireland, <laughs> um, so. Uh, so yeah, um, the house was kind of cool. Yeah, I liked his bedroom. Yeah. I liked how it was like an, like an archway above the house. Yeah, and yeah. you know, some of the seaside looked quite nice. So what didn't you like? Oh, um, the film. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's just cat out of the bag. We both really did enjoy this <laughs> So, to be honest, this is just going to be, uh, just, we're just going to be destroying it for the next however many minutes. So, it's going to be difficult to do a spoiler-free what we didn't like, but loosely speaking, would you say almost everything? Yeah, like, I didn't, I didn't like the narrative structure, I didn't like some of the acting choices or performances, Mm -hmm. I didn't like the CGI, I didn't like the lack of acting in a lot of people's faces there's so, so much i didn't like yeah. it was yeah what about you anything new to add uh, i i i despised every aspect of this film i i just i've never seen something get everything so categorically wrong just think of any component of a film whether that's the writing the di- like uh, general writing, like narrative, the, the dialogue in particular, the story, the the acting, CGI, the world building, just the overall coherence, the act structure, everything was wrong. Mm-hmm. Absolutely everything. It it did not as far as I'm concerned, it did not get I, I, I just but I, you know, you expect from from 
every film that, that on some of those points in some of those areas it's going to be stronger in some areas and, and weaker in others and you can always forgive that but it's almost impressive how categorically awful this film is it's it's not deliberate but it would kind of almost make more sense if it was deliberate i i struggle to believe that the creators of this were genuinely trying to create something i just like it's something half decent like i just do you know in, in a way that kenneth branner and all those people judy dench and colin farrell are quite lucky because this was due to be, have to be a big disney release in the cinemas yeah um, covid happened and then it got pushed and went exclusive to disney plus they've had to do no press around the whole thing yeah can you imagine okay I, I can't imagine because they've got to sit and like you know in interviews they sit and they go yeah I, and i read the script and the story really related to me my character has a really good like powerful journey none of that exists in this film no no real yeah. genuine script no character journeys no character developments no no story at all so they would have just had to basically lie to everybody about yeah. why they chose to do this film i'm assuming judy dench maybe needed a new kitchen or something and she just needed the money <laughs> i don't know why she's yeah, supposed to be in this film frankly uh, other than she just needed some extra cash for something or maybe her grandkids are going to university who knows, <laughs> who knows? there is there is like there is no reason that she should be doing this film she is <laughs> no, so yeah. much better than that um so yeah yeah I, they're, I, they're quite lucky yeah. they avoided that they are they are lucky and they would have really had to do something because because it's the general protocol that you you just in press conferences you always talk about the film that you're in as if it's wonderful and as if you knew from the beginning that it was something special and irrespective of a film that's just kind of protocol and it's also protocol that interviewers always kind of ask questions where they're kind of the the loadedness of them is this is great and i want to praise you so like that would have been very, very, very difficult to orchestrate for this film. But they, they would have probably pulled it off. But uh, but like you said, Judy Dench, Colin Farrell, Kenneth Branagh, these are all like English royalty when it comes to acting and writing and Shakespeare on Broadway. And like, it's just like how they came to be associated with this. I, I don't know. Yeah, it, I don't know. it's a bit of a shame, really, isn't it? <laughs> Yeah. Well, I think we can we can open the floodgates <laughs> and just go full spoiler territory. Um, I did just want to add a the, the disclaimer. We've already discussed this, but we neither of us have have read the books. Um. So if something that we don't like about the story, the characters, or whatnot is is different in the books, we're we're obviously treating them as very different entities because we haven't read the books. Though I would say Ashling, when we watched this last night, she looked up about the books, not really related to any of them. Right. Yeah. And I think so, that's important to keep in mind. And also, I think it's also important to keep in mind, though, on top of that, that something doesn't have to be massively closely related to the books to be good. So Lord of the Rings, the battles are all different in the books. There are more battles. We've got Tom Bombadil. Car- yeah, a lot more. Yeah. Car- you know, Radagast the Brown and, and all that um, that don't make an appearance but they're still phenomenal films so just disclaimer there mm-hmm. on the the book film mm-hmm. yeah difference before we carry on though i think it's quite safe to say that we wouldn't recommend this film 
Oh yes, sorry, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, do you know what? I the only way I, I would recommend this film if you're with a bunch of mates, it's the evening, and you want to watch something and openly criticize it and laugh while you watch it, eating you know ice cream or something. Like if that's something that you enjoy, if you enjoy whatever really bad shark films or something like that, if you're in that kind of category of people, then then <laughs> this might that might be the only time I would ever recommend it. But other than that... So you're relating it to like a comedy spoof movie. <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. Other than that, yeah, I would not recommend this to my worst enemy. I yeah. wouldn't want to put that on them. <laughs> okay, so let's go right into, I guess, then the story of the film and the issues that come with the story. I, I have a lot of thoughts. As always, uh, you know, I'm never one for a man of few words. The story uh, for me is one of the biggest and most fundamental issues of the entire film. In the fact that there is none. Well, there is. Exactly. No, no, it, no it I, makes, I, I was going to agree it, with you. Like, absolutely, there is it, none. It makes no sense. So, let, let, this is this is how I described the, the film after I watched it to Ashley. So, basically, bored kid sees dad as a criminal, somehow, without, without very little knowledge, captures a fairy, tortures her, takes on a whole army, becomes best friends... And then as a criminal mastermind. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I mean, that's, yeah, that's the extent of, of it, really. Out of nowhere. Like, yeah. how do you get from bored kid to criminal mastermind in, like, 90 minutes? Yeah, I... With, like, no, no, uh, no inclination to be evil, no actual criminality involved. He went from, my, my dad's disappeared, let's go capture and torture a, an elf. I'm evil, basically, is how I understood it. But then, and then the character of, like, He's protecting your world, is he? He just said he's a criminal mastermind. Yeah, I just... Like, I, well, yeah. that's the story. And it makes no sense. If you're confused by listening to this, that's how you feel when you watch it. Confused. It just doesn't make any sense. If you think about it, the whole thing, not not a single bit of sense. And this is where I don't know what the differences are with the book, but 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 at least just the film itself. Because I, I, I went into it assuming, okay, so it's about this young boy who's a criminal who's very clever and he does criminal things i was expecting kind of like a spy type men in black almost yeah but with like an like an anti-villain like like anti-hero i guess but instead there's no evidence of him him being evil particularly other than he's like a bit of a brat but they do that with james bond you know like it's kind (laughs) of like you know like it's it's you know that's not kind of evil criminal then they imply that his 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 dad's a criminal and stole a bunch of stuff through a series of very incoherent kind of news shots but then it was like oh no but he had to like it's implied later again very kind of rushed that he actually had to steal those things and he comes across as just this this good guy but then it's meant to be revealed that he was a criminal but then he's not a criminal but then all the stuff happens with the fairies which we'll come to which is uh, weird and then he, like, at the end of the film, walks out of the house and there's this narration o- over the top of it saying, I'm a criminal mastermind. And it's like, what? wait, what? Like, what? Like, pick one. Like, like, <laughs> like, or like it's, if, if it was like he was like this clever spy child, cool. To have that be the main arc. If it was that he was a clever criminal child, then have him be a criminal. If... It was about him being a good child, saving the fairies, then great. But all of them 
in a bag together. It just never felt like they picked one. And then it was like, I'm a criminal mastermind, like walking off. And it's like, what? It went from, there is, there is no substance or context to any of the story no like it went from being like this terrible voiceover by josh gad oh yeah and we'll come to that um yeah kind of do you say this kid's clever he's a brat and then it's like and then within five minutes he's like right i'm accepting that fairies are real that's time to capture one and in, (laughs) in, in a montage i'm gonna learn everything that possibly is about modern day technologically advanced fairies from old textbooks. <laughs> I didn't even really think about that. This like <laughs> modern underworld, like sci-fi fairy world. You and can freeze they... time and have like flying ships and like memory they wipes. Write and everything he... down on dusty old volumes. <laughs> <laughs> and and like he learns everything there is to possibly learn and. I, the whole thing just it just doesn't make any sort of sense nah, it's completely incoherent the thing is the story is set up for obvious sequels i know yeah and it's like why would you put any more money into that yeah it's abysmal like this is like john carter level trash <sighs> Which is, for those who don't know, is the yeah. worst performing film in cinematic history. It's made the biggest loss of any movie. It's a Disney film. Mm-hmm. It made the biggest loss of any film ever in the cinema. This is on par with that. I haven't even watched that, but I I obviously know the story about how it lost all the money and, and yeah, was super hyped and was rubbish. Like, deeply bad. This is deeply bad. It's, it's, it's like rotten to the core it just like irredeemably awful there's just so much about like how you know (laughs) i can't even begin to we're just blown away by how bad (laughs) there's there's that bit where first of all some random basically ex-criminal takes control of the the of the police force which i'm assuming is called the leprechaun oh yeah because it's like the that's an acronym for something yeah. Uh, yeah. So yeah. By the way, yeah, the leprechaun is the elf, the elf fairy police force, and he, this some guy who was recently imprisoned by the bad guy, takes over at some point and like sends a troll in, which is completely against their entire ethos as fairies, uh, understanding correctly. Like they, I like how they they went from being like, we must save, you know, this Italian wedding from a troll to then launching a, basically a full scale invasion on a little 12 year old boy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, like. Everything is inconsistent in this film. It's like Avengers Endgame level of like people are turn up at this house. Yeah. <laughs> and like, like this kid would have planned, like. The whole voiceover, like, oh, he planned for that. Like, why would he plan for an invasion that large? Uh, especially, especially because this is what I don't get about the plan, right? Okay, the whole thing with the story is that his father was captured by some faceless person who we never know who it is to get this thing, which is meant to have like unlimited power, or you can open portals to other worlds or whatever. It's undescribed kind of level of uh, power. The Aculos. Um, the Aculos, that's the one. So he like has to, yeah, he has to find the Aculos. So he sets up this plan to capture a fairy for something, to ask the fairies for the Aculos. So he doesn't know the fairies don't have the Aculos, right? Mm-hmm. So he asks the fairies for the Aculos, who then find the Aculos in his house, which was his plan all along. 
to then to then use the Aculos to get his dad back. At which point, hoping the fairies would just leave, um, <laughs> which conveniently they do, and then gives the, the Aculos back to the fairies, and then decides with no powers or whatsoever, with a fairy and a giant dwarf, break them out of MI6 prison in the sea. Obviously, because an MI6 prison in the sea would have no anti-air defences, and you would just oh, yeah, no, drop no, a you... ladder through the roof, because the ladder oh, yeah. would shatter glass. And then fly away and go, I'm going to take on some guy, even though I don't know where he's from or where he is or what he's doing or who he is or what powers he has. Yeah. The end. <clears throat> but like, how do you plan for well, that? You oh. don't. And then the thing is, is that then the, the, the Josh Gad, the dwarf guy, he was the only one that was actually needed in order to then use his hair to then, un- his beard hair to unlock the place where the Aculos was in the is house. That, is that what he used? I didn't even... But he he wouldn't know that the giganticus mole dwarf man Josh Gad yeah. was going to come. He he yeah, couldn't exactly. have anticipated that he would have been there. He also like why would you you torture you capture and basically interrogate an, a, a a fairy, and then because like I was like, my dad is lost. My dad died. Best friends. <laughs> Best- <laughs> Batman versus Superman, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> That's literally what happened. Like, oh, I've got a sad dad story. Me too. We've got to be friends now. Like that. Oh. There is no character development at all. It's. It... <laughs> oh, it's painful. It's painful. Oh. With that, on that, let's maybe <laughs> let's maybe move on to the acting and the and the dialogue slash writing. While I was watching this, I collected a bunch of quotes just to just to demonstrate what we're talking about here. So, for example, <laughs> Artemis is having a very what's meant to be, I suppose, a touching exchange with his dad before he goes goes away. And they're talking about belief. And he says, all I really want to believe in is you speaking to his dad. There's a three second pause. And the reply is. OK. <laughs> That's what his dad says. <laughs> That's literally the dialogue. Um, let me give some other incredible. Just so one of them, the bad guy says to someone, "You spy or you die." There we go. They have the cliche of this is going to be a bumpy ride. They have the cliche of saying, "Pick on someone your own size." Speaking to a troll holding a girl, which is exactly what Ron says to uh, the troll in Harry Potter. There's the "That's an order" cliche. There's the use of the line top of the morning to you, which oh. is a, a, a particular low of the film. Oh. There's a line which says, can't anyone tell a rhetorical question around here? There's this big random moment where for some reason the magic's blocked and then it gets unblocked. Except for to unblock it, someone shouts, unblock magic. And it's like the music soars as if like that's like the significant line. Then there's a whole bunch of other cliches like the did it work cliche, the villain shouting no cliche, the... I'm not going to cry, cliche. There's a, you'll make a decent officer someday, cliche. And there's a, you won't regret, like, appointing me, cliche. It's just poorly executed cliches and just some truly horrendous lines and writing. But that's only one half. Russell Crowe, for example, for his famous monologue in Gladiator, said that it was rubbish writing, but he said, luckily, I'm the greatest actor in the world, so I can make it good. <laughs> I don't think he was right to call it the worst. He's a bit of an arrogant sod, but uh, I don't think he was right to say it's the worst writing in the world. But then there's still acting to take into account. But tell us about the acting, Cameron. There was act. 
No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Tell us about the lack of acting. So, okay, I don't want I don't want to bash on the kids because I'm assuming this is a lot of their first films. The problem they had was they got a kid to play Artemis Fowl. The top half of his face doesn't know that emotions exist. <laughs> I don't think anyone's told his eyes or his eyebrows <laughs> to move. Oh man! Uh, and I feel I feel bad, but you know you're in a big you're in a big budget movie. Act. Yeah. Like he has the same, and I get that he's meant to be extremely clever, but being clever doesn't make you an incomparable sod, right? Like yeah. Einstein had a personality. He was fun. He was wacky. You know, there's that famous picture of him like with his tongue sticking out, like. Mm. Just because you're clever doesn't mean like you're kind of like weird, and they don't ever set him up to be experiencing any issues or mm. or having any social issues. They set him up to be just a clever, arrogant kid, mm-hmm. or smirking. But he doesn't really smirk or smile. He just has a face. It's <laughs> a great line. He just has a face. <laughs> <laughs> he does. He doesn't like. <laughs> I'm looking at myself right now talking and I can see myself in the laptop screen. I, I've i got more emotion in this sentence than he had in the entire film. <laughs> like he, and yeah. it, it bugged me. It really bugged me. And like a lot of them, the only person who had, who tried to act his way out of this movie was Josh Gad. Mm. He's the only one. Judy Dench yeah. kind of sounded like a 70 year old smoking man. <laughs> yeah. 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 No, yeah she did <laughs> and she kept like like Mark pointed out she kept changing her irish accent mm. like they were good but she kept changing so it's like it didn't make any sense as to why you kept changing your accent and the acting was just i think they knew they were making a bad film so they just gave up <laughs> maybe that that's how it, that's honestly how it seems a lot of people just like this is crap. What is the point? <laughs> like, yeah. there is there is no genuine real emotion from anyone in this film. Butler, whatever his name is, Don. Oh, I can't remember. Don or something. He he was meant to be this like scary stoic bodyguard type. We just start crying towards the end of the film. Yeah. And like he just he just seemed a bit off. And I'm 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 digressing back into story problems. That's my no. Fault. Well, it's difficult not to. I think I think first of all, yeah, the lines they gave were cheap, mm. unimaginative story. I mean, it, it comes from a bad story, so there's not much to write about in giving mm. them dialogue. And the, the dialogue they had to deliver was cheesy and one-dimensional and unimaginative. They struggled. They they should have found a better child actor for Artemis. I'm sorry, he was just not good enough. He was so stone-faced and dull and monotone that he could not carry the film of that of that magnitude he just, just does does not have the skill to carry that film you want a film this popular that's been on the go for 10 plus years get a good child actor there are tons of acting schools i'm sure there's acting schools in ireland that you can get you can find kids in the uk who are in acting school that are irish and that can probably act better than he can i have two i think important piece of information on that or at least things that I thought about in the aftermath firstly I think that this boy very well might have been chosen because he is a good-looking kid and he's got the right facial geometrics for like posters and stuff in that he's kind of like got sort of like a jawline his face is very symmetrical he's kind of like a typical and then like the sunglasses work on him and I feel like that 
must have been factored in. Secondly, I don't know to what extent this influenced anything, but he's related to, he's like the grandson of, or like the nephew or something of, the, I can't remember his name, but the main actor in Jaws. Mm -hmm. So clearly there's acting in the family, uh, and I don't know whether that meant connection, and then that meant, okay, we can get him in. But the point being that something tells me that he was selected for reasons other than his ability to act but surely there must because there surely must at least be some average looking you know young irish <laughs> actors you know what i mean who could have who could have who wouldn't have maybe been as good looking or something but like who would have acted like a million times better because the thing is with child actors is that there are child actors who are genuinely incredible and talented i mean take take the take the little kid from uh from room for example mm incredible performance at like a super young age so the fact that he's young doesn't excuse anything no maybe he was kind of pulled into it or i don't know i don't want to like he's he's a kid so you know i don't want to uh, you know you don't want to be too harsh on harsh on them but like i guess it's more the casting directors where the the fault lies because true oh my yeah days he just couldn't act. there was that one point where he was like he saw his dad on the news and he was like my dad and then he yeah. like waited for two seconds and then he dropped the milk. <laughs> it was like, and then he just lost his mind and got super yeah. angry. <laughs> it was like, what? Oh, it's so bad. But he's not the only culprit. Like I said, the only one trying to act his way out of the badness of this film was Josh Gad. Colin, I mean, Colin Farrell was barely in it. Um, right. So he didn't have to do very much. He had, like, he had like two or three scenes where he just kind of be all like fatherly, a bit stoic, and then was hanging about in a prison for the rest of the thing, and then turned up again, and yeah. It made no sense. But Judy Dench was in it far more than I thought she was going to be. Yeah. And I just don't know why. Yeah. I really, I really don't know why she, of all people, decided to do this film. It wasn't good for her. I don't think she brought anything to the role, to be honest with you. And it just makes no sense. It just really makes no sense. Do you want to talk a little bit about Josh Gad? Because... I don't understand a number of things about what was going on there. First of all, his voice, the weird, like Josh Gad is known for having a more kind of Olaf, silly American type voice. Like that's his signature thing. I mean, obviously he does Olaf, but but other stuff that he does as well, normally his acting trait that, that is capitalized on is his voice because it's slightly higher and squeakier and kind of funny but so he kept talking like this literally it was like a bad batman like yeah. it was like and it just was so off-putting like if you're going to choose someone and you want them to have like a gruff coarse kind of voice at least pick someone who can either do it or who <laughs> isn't known for having the exact opposite type of that voice i mean like, i guess he's trying not to get typecast with that voice and <clears throat> trying to do things differently but do you need to swing so far the other way like i just, like, it just... but it's weird because i don't think he had this this the voice the whole time no it was kind of when he was narrating and he explaining was very deep and dark yeah. artemis Val was the greatest yeah. ever. <laughs> i just yeah it was yeah. odd it was yeah. off-putting but also he was the ex everything was exposition in this film like I, I it was like he was taking you by the hand and explaining everything and it almost was like because he was explaining everything and everything didn't make sense 
it made it even more obvious that it didn't make sense because you had a narrator. It's like someone reading something obviously incoherent to bring out the fact that it's incoherent. So I just, and as for what an, uh, this might be from the books, what an earth was the digging with the mouth thing? What was, I guess what that's, was I guess that? that's the, the dwarf capabilities. They dig, they eat as they yeah. dig. Apart from the fact that I guess it comes out the other end. And did you see, because it does in the yeah. in the, the first time when it gets, like, that might that, be a, that might be a book thing. Yeah, and if so, then maybe it works in the books. But the way it was portrayed in the film, when that when that happened, when he like pulled his jaw down and then started doing that, I was like, I'm out. Um, well, I I kept watching, but I was like, it was at that point I was like, okay, this is a new level of low. Like I like it was so bizarre. Yeah, I don't. I don't. Yeah. And then he took elf ears. Oh yeah, fairy ears, I guess. Yeah. What's that about? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> probably some significant I don't know but uh, well, I think... all, all the fairies had the ears right yeah They're... but the okay. dwarves didn't did they is he so... meant to be a hybrid or something yeah maybe maybe that's what it was meant to imply well another <laughs> another <laughs> set of unanswerable questions from this movie yeah. let's let's move on before we get stuck in a never-ending loop of just awfulness and talking yeah. about this and the CGI the first, okay, the first time I want to talk about, the first time I really noticed the bad CGI, me and Ashley Litter was like, oh, that's bad, was at one point there's a centaur in the film and I can't remember, I think they've just sent up short into into a volcano in Italy, as you do, and then he gallops through this, like, I don't know, gallops through to somewhere else. The galloping looked like he was a towel being shook vigorously. It didn't look like that. Like his, he was like his arms and body was just flailing about, like, Whoa! <laughs> <laughs> I was like what is that? You didn't even try to get a gallop, did you? You just went, you just threw a bag at a green screen and thought, yeah, that's good enough. Yeah. <laughs> oh, what yeah. are your thoughts on the green on the CGI in this film? Uh yeah. Like some of it was pretty standard. Like you know, if you've got like a if you if you're going for like an elf. Or, sorry fairy underground like thing it's gonna have something of a cgi sheen to it and yeah. that stuff you know was average nothing it wasn't anything spectacular but it was you know it wasn't it wasn't the worst of the worst but ugh, it was kind of average i guess this would have been partially cgi what really baffled me was that moment where they decided to attack all the fairies with the one weapon that they had which again was bizarre and how oh, they yeah. did then just get destroyed, I have no and idea. And they knew how to use it instantly, by the way. Yeah, and they knew all the different functions of it, and yeah. that it could turn into a bow and arrow and stuff. After, like, maybe Wait, walking... I thought the bow and arrow was a different weapon. No, I thought that was the same thing, wasn't it? Probably, I could yeah. be wrong. I don't know. <laughs> the thing was multifunctional, right? The gun thing was, like, multifunctional. Right. And, like, but, like, it was like, oh, now let's trick them. Wait, what's the trick? They have a gun behind their back. Meanwhile, all these fairies are stood there, like, literally, like... 50 fairies pointing guns at them and because they were sly enough to have their own gun then they tricked them and they were able to defeat them and could (laughs) yeah they also shot the time freeze thing which that whole thing was awful but no but in that moment it was like a random like 20 second burst of fight that was really weirdly orchestrated and the camera angle just like kept changing and then they did it and then it was over and it was like, man, it's like the opposite of like the Phantom Menace, where like in the Phantom Menace, there's so much investment in the in the fights, 
And even if the plot and the dialogue are a bit off, it's like, wow, look at how they orchestrated these lightsaber fights. Whereas with this, you can't even fall back on any good CGI orchestrated or, or otherwise action. It just <laughs> doesn't even have that leg to stand on. I just... Uh... And the CGI on the troll was below average yeah. i think the, the troll and harry potter look better really to be honest and that was like, <laughs> 20 years ago yeah they, they didn't try to texture the troll into the environment no. they just like oh that's cool we're gonna grade it that'll do then move on we've got it we've got the troll everyone next <sighs> i just despair i despair for this film right now we're gonna move uh with a special guest to uh the irish corner of this film and to help us with that we have got my wife who is irish um so she can talk about, <laughs> about the many Irish issues that were in this film. So, what would you say they got right about Ireland and got wrong about Ireland? Good question. I think in terms of what they got right, not a whole lot. <laughs> One of the things that really confused me was in the beginning, they have all these beautiful shots of like this rugged coastline and Artemis is out surfing and all of this, which is something that you typically do on the west coast of Ireland. But this whole thing is set by the Hill of Tara, which is like in Meath um, on the east coast. And the east coast of Ireland does not look anything like that at all. <laughs> uh, and also, nor is the Hill of Tara really that close to the coast. So that was like a small thing, but I was kind of like, mm, that was unnecessary. They also got some accents pretty confused, which was great <laughs> to behold. Colin Farrell was fine, but then he is Irish. So that's obviously acceptable. And the two like child actors, I think, were both Irish, weren't they? The mm. the actor who played Artemis and Holly. Was that the little elf's name? Doesn't matter. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I haven't okay. even spoken about her. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure both of them are Irish, so they weren't too bad. But Judy Dench, she bless her, she needs she needs some lessons um in, in Irish accents. What she attempted was not awful. Like sometimes she did sound really Irish, but sometimes she sounded like she was from Dublin and sometimes she sounded like she grew up on a farm. And I was like, baby, you need to pick one or the other. Like you can't you can't you can't have a London accent and a Birmingham accent at the same time and be like, yeah, that's valid. Like it doesn't work like that. It's one or the other. I mean, you did say at the very beginning that they got the mythology and the Irish blessing, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Irish blessing that they had in it was really nice. And it's it's quite like popular and quite common. Like I would have sang it in various iterations at school masses and school growing up and lots of people have like variations of it framed in their homes and things like that so that was nice and they did they did touch on a lot of like the Irish mythology of like the fairies and like they had touches of like I think they showed like banshees and things in the books which was good and outside the house there was the the circle the Irish fairy ring yeah they had like a legitimate looking fairy ring with the the upright stones and things like that obviously like it's kind of meant to be a sci-fi film so they kind of had to expand the mythology a bit in that sense which was fine like if that's how you're going to set it that's how you're going to set it but the parts of the mythology they did use was actually pretty apt. so the worst part for me was when they they're waging full-scale armageddon and arrive on the beach of the house like next to the house and she opens the door and goes, tap of the morning. And I was just like, nope, this film is cancelled. We're done. Everyone go home. The end. The thing is, I said as well is that sometimes, you know, as Irish people, we're kind of used to being misrepresented in films. Like Hollywood doesn't generally do Ireland very well. <laughs> 
they usually get things wrong they usually get the accents all mixed up like it's often bad and so I would you know I went into this with kind of better hope because the author is Irish and Colin Farrell is Irish and they had other Irish actors and I was like well they can't get it too wrong can they and then that line happened and I was like nope mm -mm. they got it this is bad (laughs) you had all these Irish people to consult with and the script writers went yep that that's a good idea let's run with that no one went no let's not do that yeah at no point did nobody go no one would ever say that (laughs) (laughs) One thing I did appreciate, which probably comes from the books more than the film, but I did like the um, the butler, his, well, sorry, you're not supposed to call him the butler, but I did like that his surname was Butler because that is actually a very Irish surname. So they did have like little tidbits here and there that were, you know, fairly accurate. Oh, fair enough. That's <laughs> it for the Irish corner. Thank you very much for special guest, Ashley. <laughs> I go have a baby. I wish. <laughs> <laughs> Let's move on to everyone's favourite segment of the podcast, and that is Paul's Critics Corner. Or I should say for this one, Paul's Critics Corner. (laughs) Thank you uh, for the introduction, uh, Olaf. So this has been decimated by the critics. This has been so utterly destroyed by just every review, every reviewer, Everyone from YouTube to IMDb to to Rotten Tomatoes, it is getting the punishment it deserves at the hands of critics. So let's put some numbers on that. It is currently a 3.7 on IMDb. A lot higher than I thought. I know, I know. But, you know, it has a 31 meta score, which is in the red. Oh, but when we get to Rotten Tomatoes, that's where things really kick off. It has a 10% critics. And when I watched it yesterday, it was a 17%. So it might even slip into single digits. And its audience score on Rotten Tomatoes is 21%. I mean, we're talking like all-time lows. We're talking about just utter, utter destruction. There has been no respect for this film. It, Yeah, rightly, it has been destroyed. Right, let's come to our summaries, and then we'll move on to scores. How would you summarise your feelings towards this, this film? This film is abysmal, shocking, confusing, poorly executed, badly acted. They might as well just ask that every actor just improvise their own scene and probably would have something better than this it was it's just a it's just a it's just a mess it's a it's in the complete and utter car crash of a movie that is a waste of a story a waste of an interesting no one has explored really the science fiction of irish mythology or celtic mythology mythology at all and they had a chance and they just messed it up and never gonna watch it again it's probably one of the worst films the last one i remember being this bad was the reboot of fantastic four like i compare it with and that is one of the worst films i've ever seen in my life and this is something very similar to that Mm. so um yeah i really i really just didn't like it i i left i was almost less speechless in the film 
because of how bad it was. Mm. I was sitting there thinking, what am I watching? This is just terrible. And every little, every other scene just made it worse. It compounded my confusion or my awe and and how badly this. And then Kenneth Branagh is not a bad director. No, not he the did slightest. The, he did the first Thor. He did Murder on the Express, and he's doing Death on the River Nile coming out soon. Like he's been involved in Dunkirk and Tenet, and you know, he, he, I mean, he notices the greatness of Christopher Nolan. Um, yeah. But like, you know, he's not a bad director, and so what he was doing in this film i don't understand i just don't see why he couldn't see the issues uh, why direct something this bad I, just, I, don't, I don't know like i'm just overcome with how terrible this film is uh, yeah that my, i can't i can't express any other disappointment in this what about you what's your summary uh, similar i cannot think of I, I part of me wonder you know because I don't want to be too pessimistic and I don't want to be too kind of uh, negative and I, I I desperately want to try and be fair and find something good in this film but it was a disaster and as far as I'm concerned it, it's one of the worst films I have ever seen in my entire life I, I do not say that lightly uh, previously the worst film I'd ever seen had been occupied by the Annie remake that was yeah. my kind of standard go-to worst film ever made. That I, at least that I had seen. Uh, I haven't seen some, you know, trashy kind of s- stuff that makes it to the bottom of IMDb and stuff. But I, mainstream movies, that was the worst I'd seen. And this, I think this is made even worse by the fact that it's Disney, by the fact that it's directed by Kenneth Branagh. I, I just, and it was, and the fact that it, it already had a, a fan base because of the books. I just, it was awful just deeply disgustingly awful i it was just biblically bad it was it was just yeah i keep saying just but it was it was it was (laughs) awful and i really don't know how it's possible to get something this wrong but right what is your score that's very simple i'm gonna give this a first ever one this, this this I described yesterday. It's like it's a bus you catch that is very late, so you are mad when you get the bus. Mm-hmm. No one is social distancing, and then five minutes into the journey, it crashes, and you all you all have to get off. Right. Like it is the worst bus journey you can ever possibly experience, and it's not even like a bad crash. It's just like a dumb, stupid crash. That's so like driver, you could have avoided that lamppost. You chose not to, and then <laughs> for some reason, everyone else on the bus is screaming and yelling in pain when no one was really hurt. But he's like, all right, everyone off the bus. Sorry, you got to wait for the next one. And the next one is already late. Like, it's just the worst experience you can ever possibly have. Mm. And I, you just like, I'm just, you know, I'm just going to walk home. It's just be easier. And you just carry walking because walking is better than that experience of the bus, which is any film is better than that experience of Artemis Fowl. Mm. Like straight up one. No, nothing. Just one bus crash. <sighs> Heavy. <laughs> heavy stuff <laughs> oh fair enough what is what is your score i i genuinely this isn't me trying to un- undercut you but like <laughs> i i genuinely said this to hannah earlier in the day and i i thought this as soon as i watched this i'm giving it a zero i i didn't even know that's allowed i don't even well we make up our own rules here <laughs> um and 
is it possible for something to be a zero in the same way? Like, is it possible for something to be a 10? Let me put it this way. This film had nothing in it that I considered redeemable and so much in it that was awful. That I think it would be breaking the rules to do minus numbers. And so given that I can't do a minus number, I, I have to then just go with a flat zero. As for the bus, well, I guess you could say the bus is non-existent. This is the bus for me, okay? It's fine. You get on, you know, you're uh, you're driving along and then slowly people are leaving and you realise you're the only one on the bus with the driver and the driver turns round and he's got one of those like masks that the Joker and all of his gang are wearing at the beginning of the Dark Knight. Uh, <laughs> and then he like turns a corner and he starts to drive towards like an old slaughterhouse and you're trying to like get out, but then everything's locked and then whatever then continue, it happens it that that's the bus ride i'm talking about wow. literally the worst bus ride you can imagine the last bus ride you'll ever take yeah the last bus ride, yeah. <laughs> yeah the only way i ever see myself watching this again is ironically it's like is <laughs> is it's like maybe we like like meet up and one night we have nothing else to do and it's that's you and i the worst like, movies ever yeah, and let's just narrate it as we go along or have a good laugh. Like, but other than that, yeah. If I this ne- podcast ever takes off live streams with, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I never want to submit myself to that again. It was it was a waste of an hour thirty five. Well, uh, yeah. <laughs> so there you have it, folks. Artemis Fowl. Have you seen it? If you have, we apologise and we're sorry that you have. <laughs> had to go through and we, if you have we hope it, we hope that this podcast episode does not inspire you to watch the film take this yeah. episode as a warning to stay away from the film that is how much we disagree with it do you know <sighs> fun fact so, yes yesterday the baby was like sitting quite low uh and actually mm. today it's much higher so maybe we watched it and it scared him so much he went higher <laughs> 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 this is not a world i want to be born into <laughs> <laughs> forget the pandemic or anything else nope oh, i misfiled that's it i'm not coming out now <laughs> when you think about it in the context of the pandemic it makes everything worse well yes we will see you in the next one all right see you in the next one bye <laughs> Thanks for listening. Don't forget to check us out on Facebook and Instagram. We'll see you next time.